0: ...be active, to assemble, to occupy. The, the call to action to occupy went out. To act in such a way that you would help to tear down the strongholds of this inequality. Tear down the strongholds of greed. A lot of people were critical of the Occupy Wall Street movement. But this morning I want to suggest, and this might surprise you, but I want to suggest that not every Occupy movement should be seen in a negative light. In fact, I'd go so far as to say that the next time you hear an Occupy call to action, that you join the movement, and that you yourself uh, work to tear down strongholds. Now, to keep us out of trouble, because it wouldn't be good to see your face on the evening news for the wrong reasons. I'm going to give you the Occupy call to action now. And it's a similar call. It's a call to, to mobilize, to be active, to assemble, to occupy. It's a call for you to tear down strongholds. Here it is from Luke 19, 11 through 13. And as they heard these things, he, that is Jesus, he added and spake a parable. Because he was nigh to Jerusalem, and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. He therefore he said therefore a certain nobleman went out into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds, and said unto them, occupy till I come. Now this isn't a, a call to simply occupy a little space. In that parable, the nobleman condemned the one who who carefully kept what was given to him without even trying to make an increase from it. I read from the King James Version, Occupy Till I Come. Other versions, like the New King James Version, the ESV, say, do business till I come. And so we see the action that's supposed to be taking place. This is what uh, J.C. Ryle said about this parable. The Lord Jesus bids you occupy. By that he means that you are to be a doer in your Christianity and not merely a hearer and professor. He wants his servants not only to receive his wages and eat his bread and dwell in his house and belong to his family, but also to do his work. You are to let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Matthew five sixteen, have you faith? It must not be a dead faith. It must work by love. Galatians five six, are you elect? You are elect unto obedience. <clears throat> do you uh, are you redeemed? You are redeemed that you may be a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Titus two fourteen, do you love Christ? Prove the reality of your love by keeping Christ's commandments. John fourteen fifteen. O reader, do not forget this charge to occupy. Beware of an idle, talking, gossiping, sentimental, do-nothing religion. Think not because your doings cannot justify you or put away one single sin, that therefore it matters not whether you do anything at all. Away with such a delusion. Cast it behind you as an invention of the devil. Think of the house built upon the sand in its miserable end. As ever you would, make your calling and election sure. Be a doing Christian." There's a lot there. You know, we're not called to an idle, do-nothing Christianity but to live in obedience to God in every area of life, in every day of life. But we can grow weary, right? We can falter and fail. We can, we can become anxious or even be tempted to despair because of what we see around us and what looks like a collapse of uh, uh, the, the impact of Christianity on our culture. But we, re- we need to repent of that, and we need to respond to God's call to occupy Galatians 6.9 tells us, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Revelation 2.4 says, But I have this against you, that you abandon the love you had at first. In in uh, Hebrews 6.12, we're told not to be sluggish, but we're to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. In John 14.3, shortly before the death of Jesus, Jesus said this, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. That should sound a little familiar. And will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And what did the parable in Luke 19 teach us to do in this circumstance? Occupy till he comes. Don't be discouraged. Don't be tempted to despair by cultural decline that you see all around you. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, 2 Timothy ten four and 5. Don't be discouraged or tempted to despair by your own weakness. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong, 1 Corinthians 1.27. Like me previously, I'm pretty sure you've never heard the name Gerhard Groot. George Grant wrote this about him. It would be difficult to find a single page of modern history written about him, but it would be even more difficult to find a single page of modern history that has not been profoundly affected by him. Grant states that he lived at a time when the foundations of Christian civilization in the West seemed to be crumbling. Does that sound familiar? So what astonishing power did did this group bring to bear in order to to stem the tide of, of collapse? He didn't have any astonishing power. In fact, he died having made no discernible dent on the collapse that was taking place. Nobody was going around saying, oh, I'm so thankful for for Groot. My life is better today because of his life. Groot did use the the gifts that God gave him. He was faithful right where he was using the gifts God gave. He started schools for young men and young women. But uh, but this is what uh, Grant said about this. When Groot died, some asserted that his efforts at renewal were ultimately stymied by the fierce reality of the circumstances of the day. He was, by all such accounts, a failure. But he laid a foundation for something that endured beyond his own life. It was about 150 years later that in those seemingly insignificant schools that nearly every one of the reformers was ultimately educated. Luther, Zwingli, Melanchthon, Calvin, Busser Beza. Grant said this. An obscure man changed the course of history by simply living out the implications of radical grace and covenantal faithfulness right where he was. But Mark, he started a system of schools. I can't do that. I know, I get it. I'm rapidly reaching the age where I'm pretty sure I'm not going to do anything like that either. But here's how we can be like him. We can be in this important way like him. We can live out the implications of grace and faithfulness right where we are with the gifts that God has given us. And and as we're faithful day by day, may God use our weaknesses for his purposes, even though we may never see what those things are. This reminds us of our need to confess our sins, so let's do so now silently remembering that our God is a gracious, merciful, and forgiving God. Let's pray together silently.